Hello, fellow artists and creatives. Welcome to episode two of the Happy Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today I'm joined by my guest, Reagan Lamb, who's one of the first graphic designers I connected with before setting out on my own design journey. Reagan will always have a special place in my heart. Although undoubtedly accomplished in his professional career, to me, it's Reagan's character that truly sets him apart from the rest. How generous he is with his time, how willing he is to listen and have a conversation, his warm and friendly demeanor, and his ability to discern what's important in life. In this episode, we discuss Reagan's first foray into design, the corporate environment, AI, shifting design trends, consumption versus creation, and why not to tie up your identity in your work. In the description, I will have my notes on the episode, additional information, and where you can find Reagan. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Reagan Lamb. So, even though I know who you are, you could introduce yourself to the people. Sure. That would be much appreciated. All right, my name is Reagan Lamb. Born in New York, raised here right in Philly. Went to school at Drexel for digital media. And I've been in the industry, uh, wow, since 2000, it's around 2000, so about 20-some 20, 20 years. Um, right now, I'm at NBC Sports Philadelphia as the um, senior graphic designer. And I've been there for about 10 years. Yeah, how are you liking that? I I love it. It's um Really? It's 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 a very cushy job. <laughs> Don't tell my <laughs> bosses. <laughs> what makes you say um, that? It's uh I equate it to um uh like a firehouse. Um so there'll be downtimes and then when it gets busy, it gets really busy. Uh, to the point where we're like delivering stuff uh, last minute um, down to the wire. It's it's TV, so a lot of stuff sort of comes as things progress. Um, so if someone gets hurt or if there's a trade that happens, it's all hands on deck and everybody's just scrambling to get stuff done. But it's when, exciting. Uh... <laughs> I gotcha. What are times that are busy? It really depends just because, uh, again, it's, we're news sports as well. So news happens all the time and we follow all the teams, the Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, and that's just year round. There's no real downtime. The times that are really busy are the beginning of seasons. Um, so also during the beginning of seasons is when another season ends. And if a team is doing really well, then it gets super busy because now they're in the playoffs and then we have to get ready for a new season for like the uh, Flyers or Sixers. Uh, and that's where we're at right now. Uh, Phillies are doing really well. NLCS game four and uh, Eagles are doing well too. Yeah. <laughs> Go Phils. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, it's pretty busy right now. Also, I did want to circle back to, well, not that we can't continue that line of conversation, but I did want to ask, do you consider yourself, a graphic designer or so in this day and age uh it's mm -hmm. really tough to be called just a graphic designer yeah because everybody wants you to do absolutely everything they want you <laughs> to do ui ux they want you to become like uh you know a print designer uh animator so if you say you're a designer then they think you do everything absolutely everything you're a computer guy <laughs> yeah um exactly. so I, I consider myself a, a designer, a digital designer, or a multimedia designer is what a lot of people say. So I do animation, print, and you sort of, over time, get forced to do that just because when you start finding jobs and your job description evolves over time, you start taking on new roles and adapting to new technology and stuff like that. Is that kind of the way you view yourself though? Is like a multimedia digital designer oh, yeah. who has to do all these works you're also in a in a senior role so you yes. also kind of think of yourself as i don't know the captain of a ship or something yeah so management is another thing that uh, comes into play as your career evolves um you'll start becoming more senior and at that point they'll put you in a role where you'll be managing other people and Sadly, sometimes people evolve out of their design roles and become more managers of other designers, uh, just because at that point you've gotten so uh, experienced and veteran 
that your talents would probably be best uh, mentoring other designers or leading? Is that the role you find yourself in now or do you still get? Oh yeah, I, it's, I still get my hands wet. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. I think once you start getting into the role of just pure management, it's sort of, I don't know, as a designer, I went to school for design and once you get out of that role, it, that spark sort of dies. So it's important that you always sort of keep your hands in the mix. What did you say your major was though? Because it wasn't so craft the, uh, It wasn't. I actually went to Drexel University for digital media. And it oh. was one of, it was a long, long time ago. Um, and it was one of the first, I was one of the first classes to go through the program. How did that differ from graphic design? So originally I wanted to go into graphic design and I was speaking to the digital media director and I said, Hey, so originally I went into Drexel as computer engineering and to appease, to appease my parents, uh, they wanted me to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I was like, fine, I'll do engineering. Uh, I did one semester, hated it. And I said, you know what? I need a way out. So I went to the uh, graphic design department first and said, hey, I'd like to join. And obviously, not that easy. <laughs> it's You don't just walk in and get a seat. So uh, they said, sorry, we're all booked up. Check out digital media. They just started. So I said, okay, walked over to the College of uh, Arts, uh, Digital Media, and talked to the director. And he said, listen, um, graphic design right now is very niche. In the future, everybody's going to want you to do uh, front end, back end. They want a coder as well. And I was like, oh, no, I just came from computer engineering, and I hated coding. Huh. And he was like, trust me. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was around 2000. Yeah. So he's like, trust me, this is where the industry's going. You're going to need to know more than just design. I was like, all right, sure, fine. Just let me in. And then I'm going to switch over to graphic design <laughs> after I get it. Uh, I just need to get out of computer science. Wait, what kind of? And he was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that? I get that. Mm -hmm. I get that. As I, uh, as we've talked before, I was also, I was in bio for three years and that was uh, it's so funny because some people will sometimes make comments. Oh, you should know this because it used to be bio. And I'm like, no, it's blacked out of my mind. Totally yeah, gone. PTSD, hated it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what kind of classes uh, did digital media entail? Oh, wow. Um, so digital UI media. UX? No. So UI UX didn't actually uh, exist back then. This is pre all that. So we did a lot of animation through After Effects, 3D Studio Max, Maya. Um, so yeah, 3D modeling, 3D animation, some sound design as well. It was a lot of just digital designing outside of the classical graphic design. But I'm sure now the graphic design programs are more digital media than what they were back then. Yeah. That's definitely true, or at least for my program. When you're saying UI, UX, print, designer, animation, we have classes for all of that in our yep. graphic design. Uh, yep. Yeah. But uh, sound design, what? what is, yeah. What does that mean? So it was, it was very multimedia. We used, um, oh, uh, I forget what it was. But we were in an audio lab. We had mixing boards and everything. So we learned all about sound design, mixing. It was really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Do, you, do you do anything like that nowadays or are you more just animation no, I don't. print uh print animation okay. um, interesting, though. broadcast design animation yeah gotcha is that the the main tool in your wheelhouse well i guess those are two very different things but animation at least so i um i'm self-taught on all my design programs photoshop i started in high school um, I actually won my first computer in an art contest. <laughs> um, and I started off, and the prize was a computer, but it was a used computer. And this computer had, it was a Mac, Mac Duo dock, where it was a laptop that you could dock into a station and become a desktop, uh, or a laptop that you could dock into a station. And this laptop had Photoshop, 3.1 I think or 3.5 3.1 on installed and it was black and white 
um, there, there's no, no AI. <laughs> <laughs> no, no AI. <laughs> um, and um, so I started off with that, and that was probably back in 90, 98, I think. Wait, um, edit photos in color? That's crazy. Yeah, the interface was all black and white. Um, at least the one that I had, because my screen was my screen, I believe, was one color on the laptop. How did you find out about Photoshop, though? It was it was pre-installed on the laptop. Oh, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. So you I just won. had it, and you decided to mess around. Or... Yeah. Uh, so I started off just like browsing the computer. I was like, oh, there's Photoshop on here. Never seen this before, and I've been using it ever since. So probably twenty something years, twenty four, twenty five years. Wow, that's that's pretty wild. It's, yeah, <laughs> that's and then that's yeah. After after that, I picked up uh, Illustrator, uh, After Effects, um, 3D Studio Max, Cinema 4D, and all self-taught. So it's pretty incredible. All during that time, or just slowly over time, had to pick slowly over time. Even for college, uh, while I was doing my computer science courses, just go to the lab and instead of coding, I would be on Photoshop just messing around, making logos, making flyers and stuff like that. And then I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try to do this. Yeah. Fun stuff or a commission? All fun. Uh, I didn't get into commissions until after I landed my first design job, which was with your mom uh, at the um, law firm. That was was my first first co-op. Ever? That's yep. Amazing. So when I went in there with my portfolio yeah. <laughs> of all homegrown stuff, uh-huh. um, they were like, okay, I, we like your stuff. You're not a designer. <laughs> um, you're, you're not part of a design program yet. Uh, we're going to take a chance on you. And they hired me. I stayed there for about a year and a half. My mom raves about me. She, uh, <laughs> for all of my emails that I sent out, she... She's just great at writing emails. So she looked over all of them. And as soon as she saw yours, she was like, oh, Ring it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> she thinks you're quite the talented designer. But um, is that kind of what, where your love for graphic design started during that time of just making stuff in Photoshop? Yeah, yeah. I would randomly make designs for friends, photo edit stuff make collages and stuff like that and this again this was all the pre-youtube tutorials so pre (laughs) pre absolutely everything (laughs) so i had to go through each and every uh, like menu each and every tool uh figured out which uh, what they did yeah but now holy cow uh the tutorials and the the resources everyone has it's insane yeah. Although I almost do feel like it's it's too much sometimes. I can't ever learn everything that's in here. Even when I do, yeah, it'll it, just update it, and then I'll just be out of touch. Yeah, I, even I, I still follow designers. Yeah, I mean, on my social media, my Instagram, I like follow all these designers, and I'm like, oh man, there's so much stuff because the program constantly is updating. Even the new, like you said, the AI, the beta. Um, Photoshop. And I just heard uh, Illustrator now has text to image like design or something they just yeah. included. I, was like, around what? Like, I don't know. It's like, is there even a point of our job anymore? <laughs> we'll oh. see. You ever worry about that? So AI, holy cow, has sort of uh, come out of nowhere in the last probably year. I'm sure it's been around, but now that it's like more prosumer consumer level access uh i've recently got into stable diffusion and some ai uh generation uh image generation and it's pretty scary how or how curated an image you can make but i found myself sort of almost getting a little bored creating it myself just because it's limited by your own imagination and it's always nice to get someone else's fresh point of view because if you're just sort of always in your world or producing stuff that you only know um it it sort of gets stale it's sort of like writing your own songs and then you have to listen to it on the radio and it's like i don't want to do that i'd rather listen to somebody else get their perspectives and stuff like that so i think there's always going to be sort of a, a market where it's not as sort of a lazy person's consumerism where it's like someone else creates it and you consume it. 
yeah, that's that's sort of my take on it now. I really like, enjoy that take because I, I do have this idea that almost extends beyond just graphic design and art in general. I think it's really important to get outside of your bubble of life. Sometimes to just be introduced to someone else's point of view, it can be really oh, yeah. eye-opening. Yeah, this also ties into a question that I want uh, want to explore in this podcast is this idea of improving as not just an artist or a designer or an animator, but hmm, maybe in life as well. So I was talking about this with my type professor in the last episode a little bit, where when you're in a job, you have to kind of strike this balance between actually getting things done and meeting due dates, but you also don't want to get stale and you want to keep pushing yourself. So if you can maybe touch on how you do that in your own career or so separate this is a very common um topic of conversation especially with new designers fresh out of college um mm -hmm. very green very eager um very <laughs> big eyes you know it's like i'm gonna go conquer the world yeah. and it, sometimes when they get into an, a corporate environment or just the work environment uh period that the environment is very different from a uh, school environment where it's a lot of like, let's harbor your creativity. Uh, you're special and your work is special, you know, and the world is your oyster. And there are some constraints where it's like, you know, these are the rules for this project. Let's get it done. And you get a semester to work on it, which is for some people, 15, 30 weeks uh, or something like that. Whereas in, the corporate world, you might get a week. And that's that's pretty generous. You might get two days. Uh, they might have needed it yesterday. So there's a lot of balancing, getting that timeline done and having some artistic integrity. And more often than not, there's a lot of just almost like a depression where it's like, this is not what I want to put out in the world. This is not my best work. This is not who I am. But I think over time, uh, designers will understand that, you know, it's a balance. I'm not working for myself anymore. This is not a direct representation of who I am uh, as a designer, but this is what I'm given and this is what I can produce. So it's, it's definitely a balance of what is needed and what can be done. So finding that balance is, is a very soul as a designer, uh, especially when you put so much time and your heart into it um it's a little crushing even now when i quest and it's like yeah we need this out asap and it's like okay <laughs> I'll, I'll get it out it's not going to be my best design so what this is funny uh, this is actually bringing a lot of memories back from when i worked at the law firm uh with your mom where it was like all right we got to get this out the senior designer there alan singles uh, shout out to Alan, uh, one of my, to this day, one of the most influential mentors in my development um, of career. He said, Reagan, you know, these are throwaway pieces. Don't put so much, don't think too much about these. You're going to design them and then no one's going to look at them after this. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was a very, it was a very harsh sort of like slap in the face uh, reality check where it was like, throw away okay cool i'm just gonna like pour my art and soul into this design and it's gonna be thrown away <laughs> so i think that was my first reality check of like how fleeting these designs uh, that we produce are and how you have to sort of understand that even though you put a little bit of yourself in these it's it's not going to take away from who you are it's just you know it's something you're putting into the world but yeah, it's it, it was pretty rough. Do you think it should be that way? If you're going to work for somebody else, um, mm -hmm. that's sort of the the mindset that you're either going to be sort of you're going to fall into, or someone's going to tell you, and then you're going to like break and then say, you know, what, screw this, I'm just going to work for myself. But honestly, even if you're working for yourself and freelancing, you're still designing for somebody else for them to pay you. <laughs> so unless you're independently wealthy and you can just create art for art's sake, um, right. that that's great. But that's a pretty rare situation. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. 
But th- but you know what? That's also another thing I, I mention or I, I try to uh, relay also is that as a designer, work shouldn't be your identity. Um, you can do other things. You've got hobbies as well. <laughs> Design for the sake of designing at home. I've got a three and seven year old. And it's funny when I see them do their art. It's funny that we encourage so much art um, when they're growing up and they're children. But by the time they uh, get into high school, art mm-hmm. and design is something that almost everybody says, do not get into, <laughs> but you're, yeah. but, but yeah, you're surrounded by it night and day up until that time. And then it's like that thing that we've been cultivating for all these years, <laughs> you can do that as fun on the side, but that's not yeah. a real job. So I always thought that was interesting. But yeah. 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 So is that the way you kind of view it where at least when you're trying to push the boundary like that or improve yourself as a designer slash artist, it's really, you kind of split that. There's this professional side of you and then maybe this more. It's a healthy balance. Um, Yeah. I, I, I don't think you can sort of have all of it at your job. Um, and I think it's a little unhealthy if you do that as well. Uh, just because God forbid something happens at work, like, you know, somebody speaks ill about your work and you sort of take that way too piece personally. And it's like, you know, screw you, Bob from accounting. Like my typography <laughs> is great, but well, you know, it's what is Bob from accounting. Yeah. It's just that, you know, a healthy separation is always important. Um, no matter, honestly, no matter what job you get into, work is work and work and life balance. That's what a lot of people say is very important. Why is that what a lot of people say? Do you not say that? Uh, well, people who get burnt out and are like, you know, I hate my job. I hate my life um, mm-hmm. because I've made my job my life. Those people tend to sort of break down. And I think when you've got that work-life balance where you can uh, leave work at work, especially when you get older, might have a family or help even want to do things by yourself that's not doesn't involve work. It's just a healthier balance. You're not checking your emails at nine o'clock at night, thinking about presentations. Yeah, it's, it's important. I have a question. Um, have you ever had to design something that went against your values as a person? Oh my gosh. Uh, values no i don't think so um hmm. i like i said i haven't done a lot of freelance um right. just because i want to keep work uh, and design at work and you know my free time i spend with my family i spend with my kids uh i do my own hobbies i game <laughs> you know i'll watch tv hang out you know touch grass <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah what do you think uh, you would do that, God, that what would I do? Yeah. I don't know. Um, you always have an option to say no. No is always an option. Um, and no is also a complete sentence. So if someone asks you something, <laughs> you can just say no, no, thank you. The reason I ask, I find it, hmm, I find it interesting that you say when you design something in a more corporate environment, you're not necessarily, you don't want to tie your identity up in your work. I kind of like that idea just in that, I mean, even just taking critique on a piece, even if it was just a four fun piece that you drew really quick and someone was like, that stinks. Uh, instead of getting like all worked up and defensive, well, for one, people just have their opinions. It could be wrong, mm-hmm. but it could also be a situation of, I personally always want to keep improving with my art and design. So instead of getting so tied up in the design of this is my identity, it's more my identity of being a designer and someone who wants to improve so I can actually learn from them. But I also find it interesting because if you take that idea to work with you of not putting your identity in your work, but then someone says, well, maybe they want you to design something that just goes against what you believe is right. It could, in theory, be fine. You know what I mean? But then, oh, okay, yeah. I see the so angle I guess you're going at. Yeah. Um. Now, if my work said that the Cowboys are the best uh, 
football team in the NFL, I might have to. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't well, they're just raw. Uh... <laughs> that, that would definitely go. That would definitely go beyond my uh, my beliefs. Um, uh-huh. But you know, I'm not sure uh, if I've ever gotten into that situation or if I ever will uh, get myself in that situation. Um, but yeah, I, I see the angle that you're going uh, to. Uh, how, on one hand, you can separate yourself, but on the other hand, if you do say you separate yourself. Um, how would you deal with that? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think having confidence in your work and knowing that people there'll be always a, a population that will like what you do uh, and a population that won't like what you do design wise, um, just because design is so so subjective. Um, and hell, even to the designer um, who's creating it. Um, as you're creating it, you might love the piece, but then a year, ten years later, you look back at it and be like, "Oh God, what was I thinking? Yeah. This is terrible." You know. So even that perspective, you're always going to have uh, conflicting um, impressions. Yeah, that's something that's really bizarre about design and art in general. With art, I almost feel like it really is almost purely subjective. And when I say art, I guess I have in mind more traditional mediums of art, so like painting or drawing, charcoal, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to design, like tell a client, oh, no, it's just subjective. This is good design. It's like, mm, I don't know if they're just going to be happy with that. So then it's odd because how do you have confidence in knowing that this is good design? Or how can you just spit something out in two days and be like, oh, no, I'm confident this is good. So I'll tell you what, there's, um, there's art, uh, to pitching your designs. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, it's like you could, it, it's all, it, you become a salesperson yourself. Uh, and that's why generally designers don't pitch their work because they've got so much invested in it. And that's why you've got like design managers or project managers. Uh, those are the ones that pitch the work. They're called client facing employees. They, they talk to the clients. Designers don't. <laughs> Just because. Just because, again, they, they invest so much into their designs that they're already biased. So if they're like, yeah, we don't like that red. And it's like, no, that red works perfectly here. <laughs> Whereas, you know, a client-facing team member would be like, you know what? After lots of research, we found that this color really resonates well with with clients and stuff like that so and it reflects this it harkens back on this so it's a lot of selling your work to designers usually don't have usually say or part uh a part in that process uh, and that's where <laughs> somebody like kim um yeah. uh would be able to you know be a lot better with words <laughs> and what we would stick to the design so, so then what if someone says no and you just have to I guess just suck it up and just do it over. Kind of well, yes. I mean, the purpose is to like uh, please the client. It's uh, you're you're mm-hmm. designing. We call it designing for the client. You're not designing for yourself. Um, if you are going to pay yourself, great. You're not paying yourself. Someone else is paying you. So you've got to make them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, then, do you think so, you yeah. define success as making the client happy? I think yeah. It, it's sort of. Um, it's sort of a dance, uh, definitely, where you know somebody will say, this is what I want. Obviously, you can't read their mind, but with a good client brief, you'd be able to produce something that looks visually appealing um, with good design, strong design choices that you can sort of relay to whoever needs to hear them. And if it makes sense, then yeah, I think it was a success. What do you make the client happy with just a... You follow the rules, and it's just an atrociously designed piece. Then, uh, I would say that's a success. Well, again, uh, when you call it atrocious, it's very subjective. You know, right now you might think it looks terrible. Ten years down the line, you might have perspective and say, "Oh, okay, I get it." Huge uh, bodies of text, this way. all yeah. right aligned. <laughs> well, signing you know off what? on that. <laughs> you know what design? Design is so cyclical that, like, um, right now, 3D is starting to come back. And for a hot second, 
3D was out. Everything was flat. Everything was vector. Everything was like, don't give me any extrusions. Everything's clean, clean and sleek. But now it's 3D and like complexity is sort of coming back. 3D generated images. Yeah, it's 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 all cyclical. Right now, I I see the uh, the trends changing over. So it, it all Keep changes. Keep up with all that. Um. That's that's a good question. Um, you sort of have to, just because it, I think it's natural too. It's a natural uh, evolution, just because when you start doing the same thing over and over again, it sort of gets really boring, especially if you're the one creating it. Now, if you're just consuming it, like watching TV, uh, videos and stuff like that, music videos. You'll you experience trends differently than somebody who actually has to create and produce those uh, and follow those trends. Um, and I think it's it's more apparent when you actually have to change your style. And it's like, oh, okay, I've never had to do this before. I've never had to use this type of color scheme before. Uh, I've never used like neons before. I guess I will. And then when you look over your body of work. Uh, when you're updating your portfolio and stuff like that, you'll see that, oh, I definitely have changed uh, as a designer. My style has changed. And it's usually in line with what's, what's going on trend-wise in the world. What do you mean when you're actually creating, that you'll experience that differently than someone that's just consuming? So when you're uh, designing, um, generally you're designing for a client. The client has a style. A style guide or a brand guide, and you'll have a arsenal of design tricks or directions that are your go tos. So, so this season for your design arsenal, it might be like really big, fat, bold text and like bold colors and stuff like that. So, then after doing that for a year, you might be like, you know what, I'm done with this. I like tall, skinny text or like uh, script, handwritten text. Mm-hmm. I like uh, pastels. Um, I don't like really big text anymore. I like, you might start getting exposed to different designs, uh, more European designs, which is more like geometric, more uh, simple, simplified. You might start getting inspired by that stuff. And then you'll notice your, because there's a lot of muscle memory to me. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like design muscle memory. And you'll start seeing yourself sort of creating, approaching uh, your design in a different way. Okay, I think I see what you mean. So like someone that's maybe just consuming a lot and really plugged into just the shift in trends will have somewhat of an understanding of what's going on. But at the same time, when you're actually creating, you're kind of filtering that through you like all of those trends through you so then you only must have like your own personal sort of style and mm-hmm. i don't know is that to sum that up right yeah 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 everybody has their own personal style um even with the trends that are happening you always put your piece of yourself in that sort of trend wave um that's happening um so even if you're not a 3d guy or a 3d designer um and the trend now is every everything's very 3d you might add a little bit more dimension to your work so if you feel that you know a lot of your work has been very flat very vector you might start adding a little bit more dimension to your work adding foregrounds backgrounds uh different techniques of like blurring um stuff like that i know i've seen some of your illustrations very nice by the way um yeah um thank you uh so you know i could see that you know if it was to be evolved again you might be able to like vary your line weights um so like instead of very thin lines or very um pastel colors you might start using different colors more bolder colors or block type or stuff like that so yeah it's definitely an evolution but within your sort of world uh and influenced by you Hmm. also yeah a big reason i even asked this question in the first place is uh currently taking typography and my professor is just super knowledgeable what (laughs) 
I love typography classes. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. Soak it all in, man. Soak it all in. Uh, it all I in. love it so, so much. <laughs> and it's actually, it's kind of a lot. Next year, they'll be splitting this one class into three separate classes. Oh, um, so at lucky. At the same time. I know, I, I really am. It's so amazing. Um, type it all before this class. And now, anyway, I could, I could go on for far too long about that. My point being that he is really plugged in to the trends. So for example, this one girl in my class, she chose a font that I thought worked pretty well with her cover, at least aesthetically, but instantly teacher was like, oh, there's an association with this font that it is always on, I think it was a license plate font on for a certain okay. state or something like that. And he just really knows that kind of stuff. Because I feel like I just, I just, I'm not sure if I don't keep up or where this, all of this is going on and I just don't see it. Like, what are your favorite places to just keep up with the trends or do you just are in the world and I don't know. Um, I consume, I consume media just like everybody else. You know, I watch, um, I watch music videos. I watch TV shows. I'm on YouTube, Twitch, you know, you'll, you just get exposed to it. Instagram design is everywhere around you. I mean, that's the great thing. It's like, you know, you walk down the street, you see a storefront, you know, you see the sign. That's all, someone designed all that. So, so maybe just being more attentive to it. Like, yeah, uh, just be open to the world and walking down the aisle of Target. Like, holy crap, Target's like design is definitely up their game. Like, walk, just walking down the aisles, looking at all the labels. Design has gotten so much attention, like typography that it's everywhere. And once you start noticing it, it's like, okay, um, let me start paying attention more and taking it all in. I think that's the, I think if you don't notice it, it's sort of like, oh yeah, these are cool. But once you start really taking it in and looking at the design choices that are made, it's like, man, there's a lot of thought put into that. Like color choices, composition, uh, the weights of your fonts, um, how they even play together, multiple multiple fonts on a page. Yeah, you could, you could just walk around all day and just uh, appreciate everything. <laughs> I think it's important too to just keep your eyes open. Even bad design, you you could definitely learn a lot with bad design. It's like, oh god, that kerning is terrible. Like, or Link. Oh, this one's hilarious. <laughs> There's a poster out in the graphic design studio, and the person had a link on a printed poster for more information. Okay. That was that was really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, good design and bad design. You just take it all in and uh, you gotta process all that stuff, man. It's, <laughs> you gotta take the good and the bad. Once gotcha. you see the bad stuff, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> but. What excites you so much about type? Uh, that was, I would probably say that's my first um, exposure to design uh, in Photoshop, like the type tool. So let me tell you about the type tool in Photoshop yeah. 3.1. It was not on screen or it wasn't on board uh, editing. Uh, so on your artboard in Photoshop, you type something out, it types it out on the screen on the artboard and you can do all your edits and stuff on the artboard in, in Photoshop 3. whatever window popped up and it was a prompt window and you typed your your text in the prompt window and then you did all your edits and stuff in there and then you hit okay to confirm and then it pasted it on the artboard so the disconnect between the two was so great that like the later versions just got easier and easier and i think I put so much time into the hard way of designing and laying out text that when it started coming out where it's like a lot easier to lay out texts, everything just started, started to flow a lot easier. And I was like, man, I really love the text uh, editor in Photoshop. So it was, did you fall in love with it then or more as like the interface? Just I, got think more that, intuitive? I, I think because in Photoshop, the text editing was sort of the main thing that you could do in Photoshop. Make a poster. And what do you do? You put huh. big text on a poster. Uh -huh. So obviously back then I didn't we didn't have the internet uh as it was today. So you couldn't just like download a stock photo <laughs> from yeah. like Getty or whatever. I mean, so you're really limited with the resources that you would 
uh, design with. Uh, and the one resource that you, that you could design start with that was free was text. So you could either illustrate with the shape maker or draw and mess around with type. And that's where I fell in love with first was the type tool uh, in Photoshop. I'd love to see. Do you still have any of your early stuff? <laughs> you know what? Um, I would have to look back. Uh, I think my earliest stuff would probably be from 2000 in high school, 2001, 2000. You know what? Uh, a lot of the work that I did, no, actually, it was 97. That was the old stuff. I, some of the stuff that I worked uh, at the law firm with your mom, I think I still have. And that was from about 20, 22 years ago, 2000. So, <laughs> I would have to well, dig that up. <laughs> maybe link in the description. I don't know. <laughs> And that that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, I would uh, love to see that. Just love to see that stuff. I'm also somewhat jealous of not well, yeah, a little bit jealous. There was this designer just graduated last, I guess, last semester, and he just had this really cool style. I think it was it's mainly a Photoshop guy, and he would a lot of it was photos, and he would sometimes scrawl on it a little bit, but then he also just did these amazing things with types and type layout and just completely because my style tends to be very illustrative. Um, and when I'm not working, uh, not making illustration, I don't feel as if I really have a defined style yet. I'm just extremely experimental. I just haven't like defined what I really love. And so it's just so cool to see someone that really, I'm not a master type, but that was just their main thing. But yeah. uh, I also am curious. So was it kind of like, messing around with actual type something that's i'm hoping one day uh soon is i will like look at that huge list of fonts and i won't be, just be completely overwhelmed with what font to choose um i feel like i'm slowly getting there but yeah i, I remember uh as an early designer a uh, green designer i would just like just scroll through each and every typeface and be like, all right, and like 30, 40, 50, 60 of them. It's like, nope, 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 maybe. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I think you get tired of doing that after a while, uh, and then you've got your go-tos. <laughs> Adobe Typekit um, is a really good resource if you've got access to it. It's uh, uh, Adobe's like font consor consortium of like all, all fonts and uh good stuff like that so you sort of can do all that scrolling and browsing uh there oh god uh speaking of which back in the day when you wanted to download a font <laughs> you would have to go to some pretty sketchy places um <laughs> 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 uh, some really deep corners of the internet and yeah. be like all right i'm gonna download this font free font from this really sketchy website hopefully i won't get a uh, a virus, but now that you've got access to like Adobe Typekit, it's just the world's different. Um, before I mean, you would still... have to buy libraries of fonts um, on CDs uh, or download them. Oh, well, like... that's why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's all you would use. Yeah, uh, yeah. same with stock photography. It was like, let me buy a CD with like a hundred photos of sports stuff, and that's it. And that CD would have cost you like a couple hundred bucks. That's very difficult. Yeah, something a teacher recently really opened my eyes to maybe a semester or two ago. Yeah, I just take I just take photos from Google or was and I still kind of do. They like you're really not anything. supposed to. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm a student right now, so yeah, that's fine. hard for me to get in trouble. But uh, <laughs> totally not supposed to do that. Got introduced to Creative Commons and copyright and all that good stuff, which is. <laughs> just crazy it's like wait because we had to do this project it's just an album cover uh but we had to use photos only from creative commons and usually the way i would work was i would sketch out this idea then go to google and i find my images and then i could make what was in my head bring it into reality but then when i was doing that i was like wait a minute none of the photos that are in my head exist on creative commons so then i had to go creative commons first sifting through just terrible photos honestly not like decent photos but just not what was in my head and then i had to actually cobble those together to make something i don't know it's just a crazy world this is where ai is going to come in 
Oh no, true. Yeah, it's where you can generate your own images. Uh, I think it's great for inspiration, um, mm -hmm. but hopefully it won't become come down to the point where we're getting replaced. But it, it's a good starting off point for a lot of designers. Maybe it'll be good though. Replace all the busy stuff in our life, and then we can just yeah. I don't know, relax. Something like that. No, just kidding. I totally think it's important for us to work. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. But um, let's see. let's see. A couple of other questions I had. Actually, I think we covered most of it. Uh, but the other two, actually, I guess it's just one. Well, it's kind of a big, big question. But how do you make a difference in the world, even just on the small scale of what you can do currently? Wow. Um, I think being a good person, I always, uh, say to myself, you know, you don't, your work is not, uh, a direct reflection of who you are as a person. So if you do like mediocre design work, that doesn't make you a mediocre person, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's, uh, work. I always, I always like to look at work as work, you know, um, uh, it's a transactional experience. It's like, you know, I make this, you pay me for it. You give me money, I can get to live my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I think once you start conflating the two of like your self-worth and like, and how other people view your work, I think uh, you, it sort of starts, you start to bring yourself down because you can only stay so high, um, you know, when someone's complimenting your work or people love your work, eventually someone's not going to like your work. And being able to separate yourself and saying that, you know, they don't like the font that I chose doesn't mean that they, they don't like me. doesn't mean that I'm a terrible person. So uh, keeping yourself mentally healthy, I think, is one way to put good back into the world because a negative person just, uh, if you're talk if you... If you create a toxic work environment, all that toxicity has to go somewhere. So it's going to be projected out into the world, and that just makes everything just shittier. Makes your life uh, makes your life bad. And yeah, if you if you surround yourself with positivity and understand that there's a balance between work and life, and your life your your work isn't a direct direct reflection of who you are. I think that's really important. It starts what is that? because you spend, you spend so much time at work. Um, you know, it's like eight hours plus here you're working. And if that's not a positive enriching environment or space, um, that definitely is going to affect you health wise, emotionally, and just how you interact with the world. So, um, yeah, so I actually, it's like real quick. I have, I have a bunch more questions. Yeah, go for, it. go for it. Okay, perfect. Um, and then, okay, so from that, I wanted to ask them, how do you cultivate a good work environment? And how do you stay mentally healthy on two-day, just like really quick schedules? And I mean, yeah. sometimes I feel like graphic design, even as a student, I'm like, this major just wants you to look at a computer all day and not touch graphics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a, it's a little scary. I mean, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was working on a project, and I typically have very little oversight uh, as to approvals and stuff, just because the uh, some of the work that I work on, I've gotten to a point where my approval process is very uh, streamlined. So I'll show it to my manager, thumbs up, good to go. And since it's crunch time for the Phillies, and we're doing some elements for them, and it's very game-specific, um, we'll work down right to the wire. Um, yesterday, I didn't finish a series of graphics until I think the seventh inning, uh, game three, that we were going to use for a broadcast and for our digital uh, team. So right down to the wire, even my manager was like, hey, just checking in, uh, just making sure everything's cool. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, working on it right now. Uploading, Uploading my files right now, finishing them out. So on those days, those days are tough. Uh, those days you sort of have to hunker down. And I, again, I call those my fire drill days where it's like all hands on deck, everybody's pulling their weight and you sort of have to uh, just grind it out. And then there's other days where 
uh, it's a lot slower. Uh, you've got a little bit more time. Things aren't um, on your shoulders. And those are the times you really have to embrace and say, I can breathe now. You know, I can you enjoy those moments where it's like, I don't have anybody on my back. I don't have deliverables that are due five minutes ago. So I think being very present and conscious about where you are in the present, um, especially if it's a good time. Like these are the good times uh, right now. <laughs> uh, I, I think sort of balances like the house is burning down. I, I, I didn't even eat lunch today. You're eventually going to have those days, but the days that you don't, I think it's important that I sort of, sort of stop and smell the roses. So to speak. Hmm. I'm also curious, do you think work is necessary? So just theoretically, let's say AI were to completely replace us for, I don't know, maybe graphic design, but whatever your job may be. So no more landscaping, no more janitorial duties. Do you think humans wouldn't work? Uh, it's funny. I've, I think someone asked me this question recently where it's like, if you didn't have to work, <laughs> would you work? Uh, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> really? I would probably be doing something else. I would probably be taking long naps, taking walks. There's so much more <laughs> to life than work. Yeah, I think depending on where you are in your career, there's a lot of things that are new and exciting. As a new designer, I haven't been able to like put my stamp on the world. I haven't been able to prove myself yet. You know, you're starting off a new game. But I think once you've got into it for a little bit and it's like, I was talking to my wife about this, about the Phillies uh, the other day, where it's like, you know, all this rush, all this, um, all this energy put into this, uh, this race to get this coveted championship. And then the day after you win, you work on getting that same exact championship for the next season. <laughs> Even though you already have it, you still have to put in the work for next season and it's just this never-ending cycle of like chasing that championship so like i said before i don't put my i don't equate my self-worth with my work uh, because if you're chasing that that championship all the time you know it's once you get it what's going to happen <laughs> i don't there's there's well, more, to, more to life than just uh chasing that championship well i would also say so i did uh, a research paper since this is a thesis and it's supposed to be a writing intensive class i did a thesis paper on something kind of i really got off the rails it's about how to live your life properly which is probably way too in depth for an artist thesis paper but uh this really interesting thing that i found is that when we pursue goals because i I do think goals are important in life. Uh, it's actually not the actual achieving of those goals that brings us fulfillment. It actually is working towards those goals and like working towards worthy goals and falling in love with sort of the process, which is something that I think was huge for me, at least when I was switching from bio to art. It was like I was doing all this work to what end? I didn't enjoy the process of it. I didn't enjoy uh, the goal I was working towards. But now with design and with art, like it is hard. Uh, don't get me wrong there. They're definitely really hard, difficult days. Um, and even just the process can be very frustrating at times. But for me, it's worth it to do it. And it's cool because it's even reflected in like neurobiology, where the uh, actual chasing goals is more dopaminergic. But when you actually achieve goals, it's more like this opioid-like bliss. And it's a totally different path in the brain. And yeah, it's so true. Like, you're working towards graduating and then you graduate and you're like, you feel on top of the world for a day. And then the next day it's like, right back to it. Oh, well, time to get a job, start at the bottom rung. But I think that's kind of the beauty of life too. And uh, to elaborate on my joke, I guess that's why I think work is important. Um, mm -hmm. Cause I think, I feel like if I was just actually doing nothing all day, I could eventually just grow bored and it would just be like this hedonistic treadmill sort of deal rather than, I feel like the, the whole range of human emotions is, is important. So it's not just those moments where I'm just eating a delicious shake, even though I love those moments. It's also those moments where things are really difficult or 
Wow. But that shake, that that you've got to embrace that shake. It's <laughs> it's the little things. Literally, it's the little things in life that get you through the day. Every day, you t- you got to take life day by day. It's like you know, it's that delicious shake that you might remember. Uh, it might get triggered in like ten years when you have your next life changing, altering shake, and you're like, you know what? I still remember the first one I had like, <laughs> back in this one spot ten years ago. And I, it's it's these it's these small moments in life that I think are, are just much more fulfilling, especially if you're more present and cognizant about taking taking it all in and not just having work goals as your <laughs> life goals. So it's not getting that promotion that is like your only your focus, but it's like, oh, you know, I ran five miles today. That's one more mile than I did yesterday. That's a goal that you've reached. It's I don't want to sound fatalistic work wise where it's like work sucks. Work doesn't matter. You guys who haven't gotten into it yet. It's all meaningless. Uh, It's not, um, you know, but it's more than just work. It's, you know. Life, um, life has their own goals. I, I think it's keeping your perspectives wider than just the work is very important. Yeah, there's two lines of conversation that I want to follow. One being, because uh, you keep saying you don't equate your self-worth to your actual work and design. So I'm curious what you do equate your self-worth to slash what you would tell maybe a young oh fledgling student graduate. Um, being a kind person. Honestly, you could be the best designer, but be like a terrible, toxic person, and you're just leaving the world worse than you found it. You know, there's, I think that human connection, uh, I think, is very important. Being a kind person to, uh, to each other, set an example to other designers. Um, it can be a very toxic environment for designers just because you're putting so much of yourself into your work. Any creative outlet, you know, you you really put yourself into. And if you receive critiques on it that you can't sort of like process, it's it sort of it's it's very personal. That's what I guess I'm trying to say. It's a very it's a very personal process, and to sort of be mature enough to understand that there's always going to be people who don't like your work. You'll never get a hundred percent approval of people who love your work because there's always going to be somebody who doesn't. (laughs) So. And then the other one is if you love work so much, uh, which I believe is the first thing you said, because I asked about how, how do you, how is your job going? I think it's rather curious that when I ask if you didn't have to work, your answer is no. Well, I have to work. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the job that I do have uh, fits mm. really well in my life. Uh, I think you'll go through process. Uh, you'll go through uh, times in your life where you're going to love your job. You might not, uh, or you're going to hate your job. But reality sinks in when bills come. You got to pay your bills. Um, and hopefully the job that you do have will. Uh, utilize all your talents. Uh, you'll be fulfilled in your job. You won't have to work 12, 15, 18 hours a day, and you'll be able to live life alongside your job. So that work-life balance. Is that how you kind of feel about your job? It is, well, I'm curious what it fits into your life well means, but also that it fully utilizes like your full talents. Yeah. So um, I think the work from home scenario uh, that just uh, started because uh, of the pandemic really have shifted um, work-life balance a lot and sort of opened the eyes of uh, workers that it's like, yeah, I don't have to be in the office eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours a day, spend an hour on the road, pack my lunch every day. I can do a lot of that stuff at home as well as do other things too, like take a walk, walk your dog, uh, go grocery shopping, run some errands, uh, you know, live life. So I think that's definitely helped uh, the work and life, work life balance uh, scenario. And that it's it just helps so much, especially with me, uh, with a new family, picking up kids, dropping them off. Uh, that flexibility just fits so well right now. What are, uh, you said like the little moments. What are those little moments for you? Showing somebody uh, in Photoshop something new work-wise that they've never seen before uh getting that aha moment 
uh, that understanding that Eureka moment is always great. And sort of helping somebody out um, that was previously struggling with a certain technique or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, little moments right here, spending time with my cat, being able to like <laughs> uh, hang out on the couch with him in the middle of the day. Uh, those are the little moments. Getting to talk to you. Um, <laughs> you. These are the little moments. Yeah, it's, it's all about appreciating all the little things. Yeah, I do love conversation. That was, I think that is also just so much of the beauty of life is really the people that are here with you for the time that you are here. Something yeah, connecting, so connecting with other people, learning, um, sharing, helping other people. So. Um, okay. And then also, if you had the power to kind of change certain designs out there in the world, or maybe just some quick tips for designers going into the world, what would you change? What are some good tips that you feel like people don't know? What would I change design-wise? Sure. Or like, wait, what do you mean? For example, I don't know, is there a logo out there you just kind of hate? Uh-oh. Actually, those are kind of two things. So maybe just that so, first. So here's my theory on good and bad design. Um, mm. You need bad design to balance out the good design. There's a saying in type, if everything is bold, nothing is bold. <laughs> so you need that balance. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a balance. I, I would not you know, snap my fingers and Thanos all the bad uh, design uh, out of the way. I even won though. <laughs> it's there for a reason it, it's there oh. for a reason you know it's um it, it's there for us to see and be like all right that's terrible uh but you know that's that's sort of like a red flag not to do that and it's just reminders and it's like okay that's that's way too big or way too small i can't read that red on red I, how, how do i this, tones are too close <laughs> um you know everything's there for a reason um even what's sad about a uh, good design is that if something's really designed well, you don't notice it. Um, hmm. And that's sort of that's sort of the sad paradox of good design, bad design, is that good design, it's subtle, you don't notice it, it's just there, and it's streamlined, whereas bad design sticks out like a sore thumb. <laughs> um, and, like, I'll, I'll gauge other people's um, reaction to good design when I see something, like, stunning, and I'm like, check that out, isn't that cool? And they're like, yeah. It's like, ah, <laughs> like look, look at look at the intricacies of how they design that. And I'm like, okay, that's that's cool. And then I'm like, look at this terrible design. And they're like, I don't see the difference. And it's like, oh god, okay. <laughs> Pearls. That's fine. Uh, but there's yeah, also it's... just like you. I was gonna bring up the UI UX example. There's just this faucet in my cousin's apartment where you totally can't tell how to make it hot and cold and there's two knobs for some reason and you're not sure which knob controls which and it it takes a long time for it to get to hot or cold so it's just so poorly designed and it's just it's awful but okay well that is an interesting way to take it to actually kind of love that to appreciate the bad design just what it is and I don't know, it just makes you appreciate the good design more almost. It does. But, it totally does. Because <laughs> I wanted to ask then, like, what are some tips, just like quick tips you give to designers that could maybe elevate their design game, but then also yeah. maybe some more like life tips that you just learned along the way. I guess my design and life tip all in one would be don't be afraid to fail. The only way you learn is by making mistakes and by failing um, because if you're just in a trajectory of just winning and just making things and surrounding yourself with yes people and like you know people who are just like you do great you know you're not really gonna evolve you're basically gonna there's no growth there um, I think once you start hitting the roadblocks being forced to evolve um, and navigate you know, all the roadblocks in life and design challenges as well. I think that's when you start problem solving, troubleshooting, understanding that there's more than one way to do things. In design, you'll always have somebody look over your shoulder and be like, you know, there's an easier way to do that, but there's always more than one way to do something. 
And sometimes uh, your journey is your journey and you're, you've got to figure it out how to get to that, uh, where you're going. Uh, and somebody else might be going in a different direction. You know, that's their life. That's their direction. That's how they're going to go. And you're just going your path. So. Wonderful. And then where can people find you? Um, let's see. I've got a website. I will. I can post that link in a little bit. I just got to grab that. Yeah, I, <laughs> again, I don't, uh, I'm not too much on social media. I try to stay off of it uh, just because I used to be on there a lot. I used to post uh, a ton on Instagram, but now it's like, you know, it's taking a lot of my time uh, to post, to curate and stuff like that. So I actually stay off uh, social media a lot and sort of just, like I said earlier, touch dress. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Be out and be present as much as I can. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Reagan. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yes, tell Kim I said hi. Hopefully we can uh, maybe get together and do some lunch or something. Definitely. I'll let her know. And then, Thank you for listening to today's episode with Reagan Lamb. If you're enjoying this podcast and wish to support us, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you have any questions, suggestions, or feedback, the best place to reach out is on the Happy Artist Instagram. Thank you again for listening, and until next time.